Good evening. You are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radilich. And tonight, our favorite shows are Game Changer Wrestling, The Collective 2022, the best of The Collective, the best of the rest, you might even say. We have already reviewed Effie's Big Gay Brunch from The Collective 2022, which took place during WrestleMania weekend, and we reviewed... For the Culture 3 and Bloodsport 8, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 8. So this show is going to be a quick survey of the rest of the 97 shows that were part of the collective for that weekend. But I am not alone. We the actually man... can I can I get through your we, introduction? We actually covered two. No, because you missed two shows that we covered. We also oh, covered Joey Jelly Nutella. That's that's one show though. Spring Break. Joey Janela's Spring Break. Nights one and two. <laughs> Counts as one show. Yes, and we also covered... So we covered Effie's Big Gay Brunch, Joey Janela's Spring Break, Bloodsport, and uh, Full of the Culture. And I am not alone. Uh, Haridus Interruptus is here. Harry Broadhurst, yes. the man who's going to carry me on his back through this entire podcast. How do you do, sir? Well, I mean, technically there was one show that I wasn't able to get to that you did get to, so you'll be able to help me with that one. But yes, Which, I did okay. sit through the other 722 shows. <laughs> for, for Harry, who doesn't do anything else besides watch sports and, and professional wrestling, I think this broke you from what you told me. <laughs> like, I, like, after this, I'm done. I don't want to watch any more wrestling for a while. Um, A little bit later in the broadcast. Okay. So the... I don't. I, we talked about how we were going to do this, and we we didn't have our pre-show meeting about it. So I think we're just going to call on the ring, brother. Um, I'll tell you what I watched. I watched Planet Death because you know death matches. I watched, um, of course, uh, what do you call it? Uh, BLP, borderline lamp lampshade professional wrestling. Black Label Pro. Sure, Black Label Pro. Norm is what they called it. And then I watched because Based you were like you gotta, you gotta watch Cemetery Gates, and I was like the what the Pantera song? And they're like no, stupid, the wrestling event, because um, it's like the best match of, of of all of them. So there's a whole bunch more that I did not get to, which is the one you didn't get to. Uh, Black Label Pro is the only one I I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Okay. So the shows are as follows. I have our watch list here. Um, there was Glory Pro, Cemetery Gates. There was Planet Death. There was GCW versus LA Fights. GCW, the world on Lucha. Mission Pro Wrestling, bangers only. JCW. Unsanctioned, 
unsanctioned pro mulligan uh black label pro norm and that's it that's so that's the rest of the collective that we did not get to so um let's start with your you put up a, a list here top five from the shows that we did watch and um i'm just gonna go ahead and we can briefly touch on these and then i think what we'll do is i'll just kind of go in order uh of each show there we go hey welcome back thank you i can actually hear you in real time now perfect so what i'm thinking what we'll do is let's do your your top five of the ones that we already did we can talk about that for a minute and then i'll just kind of touch on each one of these shows and then we'll do your uh we'll finish up with your top 10 all right so your top five from the shows we watched the honorable mentions are moxley and gray uh, which show was that from again? Re refresh my memory. That was night one of uh, spring break. Spring break, right? Okay, yeah, I think we both agree that that was a pretty good match. Uh, Depp and Busick, which I think was also from Joey Janela's spring break, yes. Night two, right? All right, then there was from Bloodsport, there was the uh, the gotch match, which was really, really good. And then uh, STP versus the Hitmakers. That that was from yeah. Culture, we were both. It? We were correct. Yeah, the Bloodsport okay. and Gotch match that we watched. We were both pleasantly surprised at how well how well Morrison was able to adapt himself towards the Bloodsport style. Yes. Although we both agreed that having a familiar opponent in Simon Gotch definitely helped his circumstances there. Yeah, we, we touched on both of them, you know, having known the WWE style and they, you know, they were comfortable working together and it really came out in the match. Um, all right. So number five. And to me, this is the number this this might have been number one, but we'll, we'll, it's your number five. It's the grab and by the pussy match. Allie Catch versus Mickey James from Joey Janela's spring break night one. Uh, yeah, you and I had a really good time with this. Um, the two girls. You know, I think we talked about it at the time. Allie Catch, depending on who she's, she's either a little awkward, a little on the klutzy side. But if she's in there with somebody who can work, she she picks up her game. She definitely rises to the level or lowers to the level of whoever she's in the ring with. And Mickey James, consummate pro, uh, just an outstanding female athlete. And these two gals knew the assignment on this one. They put on a very entertaining match, from what I remember. Yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. And the reason I gave it three and a half stars is honestly, the in-ring work is probably about two and a half stars. However, it's the story for this match that gave it that added extra genesequa to me. I think that the opportunity that something that you don't traditionally get from independent wrestling is the ability to tell a story. And an mm -hmm. obvious story that was told here was Alley Cat attempting to use Mickey James's former mind games with Trish Stratus against Mickey here, but Mickey not only being ready for it, but being able to counter it and almost kind of girl crush Alley at the same time. Yeah, I remember la I remember we discussed this, but me laughing hard at uh mickey james kissing alley catch and alley catch like seeing stars and taking a bump off the you know off off the uh, the french kiss and then mickey james getting a pin out of it which was goddamn hilarious uh God, I love her wrestling she it, mickey used to call it the long kiss good night in the wwe mm -hmm. so, uh, so that, that was a good one 
catching Allie off guard with the kiss and opened her up for the hook kick, which was the finish. All right. So um, we have friends watching us. We have good friends from all over the world. You're watching on YouTube. But I'm going to put Pat Mullen's hot take. And, and this should just be a regular part of any show that I do. Whenever Pat tunes in, I'm just going to start calling it the Pat Mullen hot take moment. The only worthwhile offering from The Collective is Bloodsport. I mean, I certainly enjoy it. But he also says Joey, Janela, and Effie should be flaming super kicked into each other's vaginas. Hot take, Pat Mullen on the scene. <laughs> what? He's funny. Yes, perfect. Thank you, Harry. Moving on. Stick, stick to trivia, kid. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? Show up the trivia, and you, you can tell him yourself to stick the trivia there. Hot shot. Um. All right, moving on. Jr. Kratos versus Timothy Thatcher. Bloodsport. Yeah, this was all kinds of kick ass. Yeah, um, this was. This was one of those gigantic size mismatches at Bloodsport. But the thing about it is, is somebody like Timothy Thatcher with the style of performance that he does, mm. that kind of uh, smash mouth, grind him out, that British catches catch can style mm -hmm. that Thatcher is famous for too like you could definitely see the dave finley the william regal the and if you remember the fight pit match that he had against riddle in nxt mm -hmm. it kind of came off very similar to that to me having him inside of that blood sport formula i personally am not a huge fan of blood sport we talked about that when we reviewed the show i think yeah. a lot of it came off very hokey however timothy thatcher and jr kratos felt like they were trying to beat the shit out of each other because newsflash they were trying to beat the shit out of each other yeah we said it at the time and it bears quickly repeating those who get the blood sport format and use it appropriately make it look like a true shoot like it comes off really really good and if you're big in, and here's the thing and this is what you and i talked about that night if you're an mma person you're gonna like blood sport when it comes off well if you're not an mma person blood sport's gonna be the most boring thing ever uh captain hot take Come, uh, coming on the scene. J.R. Kratos, not on the gas. He's too much like Country Walk, mashed potatoes and red, light, red tights. Get the deck back and look like you did when you murdered Simon Gotch. All right. Thank you, Hot Take Pat Mullen. He'll be with us all night, ladies and gentlemen, with his, uh, <laughs> his insights. All right. Speaking of which, uh, Blake Christian versus A.R. Fox. Um, yeah, I don't know if I agreed with you on this one. I don't, maybe, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but I remember this one being a lot of flippity doos and we all know how much I, I do not enjoy the big flippity do matches with the guys that weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. See, my thing about this was, and the reason I enjoyed this match as much as I did is because this is another one of those matches that told a story for me. And yeah. that was the enthusiastic youngster in Blake Christian trying to prove that he could hang step for step toe over the toll with a guy that's been doing the kind of style that Blake Christian does for a decade now in AR Fox. Yeah. AR Fox has been there. He's done that. He's seen pretty much every Tom, Dick, and Harry to come up on the indie scene that tries to work a style similar to AR Fox. And in my opinion, this was Blake Christian fresh off of his WWE release just a couple of weeks prior, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey, he was Trey Baxter in NXT. He was fresh off of his WWE release here. This was Blake Christian sending a message to the independent wrestling world okay. that Blake Christian is back. All right. So I mostly agree with your top five here. They're just in a different order for me. Because like I said, Alec Hatch, Mickey James, I think, gets higher to one than, than, than five. 
But this next one that we're going to talk about, John Wayne Murdoch, my boy, John Wayne Murdoch versus the murderer, Alex Cologne in a death match at Joey Janela's spring break night one. Holy cow. Like, it took me a minute to remember what this was. And then I was like, I read it and read it again. And I'm like, oh, that's right. This is where John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne nearly killed each other. This was so good. I can't this tell you was how the, much of a fan I'm becoming of John Wayne Murdoch. This was the main event of night one of spring break for right. the and they tore it up, dude. Like I know, like you're not the world's biggest fan of death matches, but you know, and with GCW sometimes, and we'll talk about this with Planet Death. Um, you know, they just run the concept into the ground, and there's not enough differentiation and all the things that we've talked about with the, the downside of death matches before. But I have to say, because Joey Janela's Spring Break kind of ran the gamut of what kinds of matches you can get in independent pro wrestling, when they finally got to just an all-out bloody, you know, guts death match, dude. First of all, John Wayne Murdoch is the goddamn king right now. I'm like, is there a better death match guy going than John Wayne Murdoch? The answer is no. Uh, He's awesome. If if there is, I'd be hard pressed to find him. The the only person that I could see potentially giving him any kind of a run for that title right now is mm. somebody we'll talk about a little bit later on when we get to our best of the rest of the top 10, and that would be the ratty daddy Cole Radrick. I want to see Neil Diamond Cutter versus John Wayne Murdoch. I think those two together would put on a hell of a death match, and one of them would end up dead. Like they'd, ha- uh, One of those guys is getting helicoptered out. I feel like that may have happened in Mid South at some point. I'll have to look into that and let I, you know. I'm sure it did, but there, there's one of the one of the um, matches that we're going to talk about. One of the ones that I saw might have been Planet Death. Uh, had first of all that that is a fantastic name. That is my new favorite wrestling name. Neil, Neil Diamond, Diamond Cutter. Cutter. Yeah, that is fucking tastic. Honey, ba- um, honey, honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger don't care. Anyway, yeah, John Wayne Murdoch is the shit, um, and I I can't. Uh, all right, so Pat just, and I don't know if Pat's drinking, stinking, never thinking tonight, but he is just rolling with comments here. We'll take a pause for the cause. Uh, by been there, do you mean VFW halls and high school gyms? Because uh, one guy went to WWE and one didn't. And finally, I wish death matches lived up to the name because of all these schmucks deserve it. Yeah, Pat's not a fan of the death match. That's, that's my thing. Uh, I will take this opportunity to let Mr. Mullen know that A.R. Fox was a television contracted wrestler at one point. Perfect. Moving he, worked, he worked for Lucha Underground. All right. Last of the top five of the shows we've already covered, John Moxley versus Biff Busick, Bloodsport 8. Yeah, John, John Moxley is one of these guys who um, I think when he does Bloodsport – he does some interesting stuff with the concept. Doesn't stick strictly to the work shoot format, but I think he works enough of his own stuff in and sort of manipulates the, uh, the manipulates how Bloodsport works to the point where he puts on, I think, some really genuinely interesting matches. They may not all be winners, but I think there, there's enough differentiation in there to where I like seeing John Moxley do the Bloodsport thing. Well, this goes back to what you said earlier about uh, if it's somebody that gets the concept of what blood sport's supposed to be, then it comes off more of a, as a legitimate fight than yeah. a worked MMA match. And to me, and this was the best match that we've covered so far. This was my number one match. Uh, four and a half, four and a half stars, if I'm not mistaken, on my rating for this one. All right. So these, just- these two just beat the absolute shit out of each other for like ten minutes. Yeah, they did. 
All right, so we're going to touch on each one of these. I'm going to quick read through the results and then just a few words on each event, uh, the high, the low, and then we'll move on to the next one uh, so that we're not here all night. Glory Pro Cemetery Gates. Um, this was Myron Reed wins a four-way, pinning Shane Saber, Air Raid Crash, uh, Carlos Romo, and Donnie Jones. Um, MW Territory, Tootie Lynn Ramsey taps Denai Kai with a bridged Fujiwara. Jake something pins Max the Impaler with a black hole slam. United Glory, Hustle and the Muscle win four-way uh, four tag team. Um, Xavier Walker pins one of the Booker T students. Uh, submission match, Alley Catch taps Laney Luck with a Boston Crab in the ropes. Uh, Davey Richards, this was a good match. Davey Richards and Ricky Romero defeated uh, D Vega and M. Fitchett. Romero pins Vega in 12 minutes, 28 seconds. Loser leaves the neighborhood. My wife's new favorite independent wrestler, Dan the Dad. Uh, I, suspe I, I suspected that he might become a favorite of a couple of people. Oh, we, so we watched, like I said, we watched a bunch of these back-to-back -back on uh, Sunday. And when Dan the Dad came out, we were cracking up laughing and like instantly became a fan. So, yeah, Dan the Dad taps Cody Lane with it a figure four. In what is probably it's a quality, it's a quality independent gimmick. Sorry, go ahead, continue. No, no, it's it's fucking hilarious. Um, and what is probably the best of all three events that I actually watched, uh, Josh Alexander, the what is it, the Living Weapon, um, the Walking Weapon, the, the Walking Weapon pinned <laughs> AEW TV title contender Warhorse with a Tiger Driver. Uh, easily of the three events we're, uh, that I saw, this obviously Planet Planet Death and then um, Black Label Pro. This is easily the best match of all three events. Josh Alexander, um, Josh Alexander needs to be on like AEW or like I, I don't want to say he needs to come to the WWE. I, he certainly has the talent to, but Josh Alexander is so good. I wouldn't want to see him wasted on like the main WWE roster. But he is one one of like the top five guys currently not in the WWE that absolutely has the talent to be there. Josh Alexander is, as we said in junior high, mitt. Um, kind of giving away a little bit of a spoiler here, but you mentioned that of the three shows that you watched, it was your favorite match of the six that I watched. In addition to the five we'd already watched, of the other mm -hmm. six that I watched, it was my favorite match as well. High five, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Warhorse was no slouch here. You know, again, we saw Warhorse take on Cody Rhodes a couple of years back uh, for the AEW TV title, and you know, like he showed up, he uh, he showed out, he put on a good fight. The problem is, is he's just so undersized compared to most television wrestlers yeah. at this point. I mean, he's he's like Danhausen sized, and you can have a couple of Danhausens on your roster. I mean, they kind of do with Danhausen and Hulk guys mm -hmm. of that size. But there's only so much viability that you're going to have with guys of that size on a consistent basis. So uh, Josh Alexander is a treasure. I'd pay to see him squash CM Punk when Khan tells Punk he's going over. And Josh is like, nope, not for nothing. But I would like to see Josh Alexander run a wrestling train on like half the AEW roster. Just like Scott Steiner-esque, no-sell everything. Just shoot on people, I stretch them. Send Kenny Omega to the hospital because Josh if Alexander you, can do it. If you guys actually recall, Josh Alexander was the one who beat Christian Cage for the Impact Heavyweight title back when they were doing that AEW Impact uh, joint okay, promotion. So once Christian beat 
Kenny Omega for the AE, for the Impact title, no one watched anymore. Nobody. Well, I mean, Christian doesn't have the same mass appeal that Omega does. I don't disagree with that. But yeah, at um, oh, I think it was I want to say Bound for Glory last year. Uh, Alexander beat Christian for the Impact title. Speaking of which, did you see uh, who showed up at Double or Nothing? Fucking Roosh, man. I saw. I also yeah. saw. I also saw Big Stoke showed up. I was more excited about Big Stoke. I don't remember who that is, but I was Stoke. very excited. I was very excited to see Roosh. I'm hoping he comes. I'm hoping he shows back up in his this muscly abs and tight white shorts again. Uh, Stokely Hathaway, Malcolm Bivens. There we go. Now you said a name I recognize. Moving on. The problem is you said wrestling AEW and half those guys can't wrestle. You're not wrong, Pat. All right, moving on. Um, Welcome to the bitter Patrick Mullen hour. Oh, shut up. Uh, Crown of Glory. Mike Outlaw pins Brian Key for the Jackknife Cradle. This was good, too. Not as good as Josh Alexander Warhorse, but still not bad. All right. See, so, I, think, I think the problem for that match is the fact that they had to follow Warhorse and Alexander. Because if they didn't yeah. have to follow Warhorse and Alexander, if that card was reshuffled a little bit there, I think mm -hmm. uh, Mike Outlaw and Brian Keith would have stood out more. Both of those guys would have fit in very well in feature spots and for the culture. And if I'm not mistaken, Brian Keith was actually in the four-way for the culture that we did as well. All right. So, I mean, we, we, we can't. We'll be here for the next hour talking about how great the Josh Alexander one. So what, what was the low point of Glory Pro Cemetery Gates for you? What, if anything, was a miss? And then we'll move on to Planet Death. The tag team title match, it was a cluster fuck and a half. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, by the way, Dan the Dad, not his last appearance on this uh, on this card we're going to be talking about. He I know he... Events. I know he's in uh, I know he's in Black Label, but like I said, I haven't gotten mm -hmm. a chance to watch Black Label yet. So... Um, I just want to say this, and this was something I was talking about with my wife as we were watching this. When you think about just the ones that we covered and then, you know, the rest of these we're going to talk about tonight, how many times Allie Cash wrestled in a three in three to four day weekend? How many times Allie Cash wrestled? How many times Effie wrestled? Because Effie's on one of these shows, too. How many times John Moxie wrestled? I mean, like these collective shows, there was three or four a day over a three to four day uh, span. And you had a lot of the same people showing up on every show. Like, four, that's a lot. Four shows a day for three days. Uh, Thursday, Friday, right. Saturday. And a lot of the same people. I mean, obviously, I agree. Like, most of the people who wrestled at, like, say, Effie's Big Gay Brunch don't wrestle at any of the other uh, shows. So I guess this is kind of the perfect transition point to talk to you about why I got burnt out on all this. Um... So in previous years when they've done the collective, they've done yeah. multiple promotions over the course of multiple days, but in multiple buildings around the city. Yeah, not the same warehouse. This right here was the same fucking building for 12 shows. Yeah. The aesthetic was so dull and drab. By the yeah. time I got to uh, Unsanctioned Pro was the last show that I've watched for now, Mulligan, mm -hmm. uh, number 11 to 12. And I'm just sitting there watching the Unsanctioned Pro shows thinking to myself, I can't do this fucking building anymore. Yeah. The very first time, um, I, I want to say it was the WrestleMania, the original WrestleMania before Tampa, the one that eventually, that because of the lockdown, uh, they did at the Performance Center was the very first time I had seen an advertisement for Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And I remember, like, I'm excited about this. Like, I desperately want to see what this is because, to me, I was like, they're going to dress it up. 
They're going, you know, it's going, it's going to look like gay wonderland. It's going to be amazing. And then I saw what it was and sure. My, um, oh, what's the midget's name? Help me. The one I'm always making fun of. Jurassic, the, the kid that's in Jurassic. Oh, Marco Stunt. Thank you, Marco Stunt. Sure, it had Marco Stunt being beaten to death with a dildo. And who doesn't love that? My problem was there was so much they could have done to dress the event up. I remember when I worked for XPW, actually. And I remember, like, like there was we were trying to sell the television show to a TV station. And the TV station's like, why don't we put tablecloths on the tables that we put people through? And we're like, I, no. But their point was well taken in that sometimes you gotta make you gotta dress up the scenery a little bit you gotta do something with it and to to your point even just watching three of these in a row you it, it's the same ring the same you know they don't even put up a different banner they don't do anything with it like everything everything had a different name here but if it didn't have a theme like effie's big gay brunch or for the culture or blood sport I couldn't tell a lot of these shows apart, and then they do, they're doing them in the same place, so it all looks the same to the point where, why did we even have multiple shows like this? Like, they, a couple of them could have done it, and we, and we would have been done with this. They did the original collective back in 2017, 2018, somewhere along that lines. Mm-hmm. And in the original collective, there was an IWTV collective, and there was a GCW collective, and they would switch between the various buildings. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, one of the shows would happen at one of the buildings, and then one of the shows from the other collective would happen in that building. And then there would be other various uh, uh, areas, arenas around the city. Like, even when GCW does their outdoor shows, like mm-hmm. on the boardwalk in Atlanta I City. I personally have enjoyed their outdoor shows more than their indoor shows. Their indoor shows look it's, drab as shit. The, the issue is, is it comes off as such a basic bitch presentation yeah. that everything runs together. Sorry, I will never that that boardwalk show in Atlantic City where Joey Janela wrestled the Japanese doll and he kicked it into <laughs> and he like kicked it into the ocean or whatever it was he did. That's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling. Gays aren't all flamboyant, says Pat Mullen and showy Mark. Some of them are average Joes and Janes, you bigot. Well said, Pat. Well said. I can want I can want showy though. I mean, just because they are, you know, Johnny Lunchpails. Some of them doesn't mean I can't have showy gays. If, if it makes you feel any better, you got the showy gay portion when we did Fear the Gay Agenda in the last daddy. Yeah, we now. did. Woo-wee! All right, moving on. Um, sp- speaking of, God, this show. GCW's Planet Death uh, starts off with a Taipei death match, because who doesn't love a good Taipei death match? Uh, Slade KOs Bam Sullivan, 6 minutes, 51 seconds. Thumbtack kick pads and light tubes. Cole Radrick pins Akira with the Bibble Bobble driver on tube bundle. Okay, so the Bibble Bobble Bobble driver is a half Nelson underhook stalling pile driver. Uh, The only other person I've ever seen do the move was player Uno, and that's what he called it. Sawyer Rack pins Brandon Kirk with a choke slam on a tube board. Shane Mercer. What a body on this guy. <clears throat> Took on my new favorite wrestling name, Neil Diamond Cutter, with a moonsault and battery off ladder. Uh, Hoodfoot. Yeah, buddy. Hoodfoot. My man. Took on Madman Pondo, who's a hundred, by the way. Jesus, <laughs> Mary. And Joseph. moved like it. See, I could, between him and Necro Butcher, <laughs> like, like at the, there comes a point where you need to just stop doing death matches, fellas. 
uh, did a back suplex, especially like who thought it was a good idea to put Madman Pondo against fucking Hoodfoot? Um, back suplex through the door with tubes, and then finally, Sadika <sighs> pins Jimmy Lloyd. Poor Jimmy Lloyd, a different kind of boy, Jimmy Lloyd, with a twisting splash off the top ropes. Look, you and I have been just back and forth over this. I I, I don't want to spend too long on it, but th- this was this main event, main event was god awful. And part of it I, was because it was intergender for me. I Sadika versus Jimmy Lloyd was the dirt worst. And I and I don't understand what it is with this company and and Jimmy Lloyd, who's clearly a fan favorite. He's got size on him. He looks goofy as shit, but he does all the good, cool, like deathmatch stuff. And he can't, this man can't win a match to save his life. And oh, by the way, he also put over a girl here. And I'm like, why? What the hell? There you go, bud. My mistake. You're not going to get an argument from me here because Sadika's fucking garbage. Can't yeah, stand her. Is. Cannot yeah. stand her. She's awful. Like, like if, if she had been like a competent wrestler, I might have could have bought it. But no, this was garbage. No, and the other intergender match on this show too, Sawyer Wreck and Brandon Kirk was fucking awful as well. Yeah. Um, Pat says meth. I'm not going to put these up, but Pat says meth is a hell of a drug and Jimmy Lloyd stinks. Look, Jimmy Lloyd is good at what he does. And Jimmy Lloyd's an interesting looking fella. I just don't know why they use and abuse him the way they do. Patrick is just mad that Jimmy's a different kind of boy. He is a different kind of boy, Jimmy Lloyd. Um, um, so that was the low point for me. Um, Hoodfoot Madman Hondo was just fun. It, it was fun to watch Hoodfoot beat the shit out of this old man. But, so uh, but hang on, my, my my favorite match of this entire show was Shane Mercer, and that's just because besides the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson, Shane Mercer with the hot bod, uh, and Neil Diamond Cutter, this goofy-looking midget, <laughs> the Bunny Badger with the funny name, these two actually put on a hell of a like a hell of a wrestling match. And she and again. Neil Diamond Cutter is just second to John Wayne Murdoch, and I will cut myself to bits and keep on coming to put on a good death match. So, yeah, the high point of this match, the high point of Planet Death, which was not a great death match show overall. Uh, um, see, I, I disagree. I actually think Cole Radrick and Akira was the best match on the show. It's uh, second for me. Second. But um, um, I do appreciate the effort put in by Shane Mercer and Neil Diamond Cutter. First of all, mm-hmm. anyone who comes out this week, Caroline is cool in my book. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. Good uh, times never felt so good. So, so good. good. So, so good. good. Pat, so if you, good. Pat, if I send you the link, will you just come in and just start singing Sweet Caroline while we talk? I'll be waiting to hear from you, buddy. All right, moving on. Anywho. Okay, so back <laughs> to the show. Um. I'm guessing the Hoodfoot. I'm guessing the Mo Atlas Pondo thing was because Pondo was one of uh, Hoodfoot's idols when he was watching Deathmatch Wrestling. Because we all have those matches that we we want to face the people that we grew up watching. Yeah, look, and I get that if that's that's what was guiding the the decision making here with Hoodfoot and Madman Pondo. That and would like be my it, best was to, it was fun to watch the two of them mix it up, but Madman Pondo moves and um, you know and. Slow, slow motion, motion. yeah backwards like this now now i kind of want to see like terry funk necro butcher and madman pondo in a triple threat it'll be like it'll be like uh the old the two old guys from family guy having a fight you know the old nazi and herbert oh jesus 
by the way, Pat says, sweet Caroline. No, no, no. Oh, Pat. <sighs> I, I, it's never fun when you want them to be, and always Ma fun when you don't want them to be. Mark, I did not see that reference coming. <laughs> sure, sure you didn't. All right, moving on. Um, JCW versus LA Fights. I did not watch this one. Uh, this was Team JCW defeating Team LA Fights when Yoya pins bad dude Tito with a brain buster. Cole Radrick, again, people doing multiple shots through the collective over the weekend, uh, pins Kevin Blackwood. Um, Jack, Jack Cartwheel. This is another one that I, I became a favorite of over the weekend, as many times as he showed up. Uh, Jack Cartwheel pinned Alec Pride. Big Vin pinned uh, uh, Juicy Finale. Nick Wayne pinned Marcus Mathers. Billy Starks pinned Sandra Moon. B-Boy pins Green Reefer. And Dark Sheik. Woo! We got a Dark Sheik uh, sighting. Woo! Didn't Dark Sheik go by a different name the last time we saw her? No, the last time we saw her was when she took on Trisha Dora in the match with the marijuana that I had issues with. Right, but uh, like, did, did, wasn't she on one of these shows recently where she was under a different gimmick? I don't or, believe so. Am I confusing Dark Sheik with the one that's like that whose name is really long and silly? Like I, I am a bowl of fruit on top of a head of an Indian or some crazy thing. Are you referring to Edith Surreal? Maybe. What is Edith still, Surreal's longer name? Still life with apricots and pears. That's the one. Okay, I keep thinking Dark Sheik and Still Life with Apricots on your face is the same person. No, Still Life is now either real. Gotcha. Moving on. Um, people, why I'm people here, just, folks. People just tuning in to watch this because they enjoy enjoy our band who have no idea about wrestling. Like, did they just say words? I didn't understand any of that. Just check out Either Surreal. And you'll, you won't be sorry. Also Dark Sheik. Um, anyway, so yeah, we have a Dark Sheik sighting here. She pinned... Charles Mason. Dude, seriously, when was the last time Dark Sheik like lost a match against a dude? Does she ever? Uh, I sure as hell haven't happened anytime recently. <laughs> Does she just walk in and be like, I'm Dark Sheik, I pin everybody. They're like, all right, here, put Dark Sheik over Goldberg, it's fine. Put Dark Sheik over Roman Reigns. Like, now I want to see her in the WWE just be like, no, I never lose. I'm Kurt Angle. Dark Sheik. Dark Sheik is like this big. This big. She's this big. So you didn't get a chance to watch this show. I did. No. Yes. Yeah, so high points and low points. Go. Uh, the main event was actually very good. The story mm. that was told. Uh, Dark Sheik representing LA Fights. Charles Mason representing JCW. But even the people in JCW don't like Charles Mason because he's a piece of shit. Okay. It's almost like a uh, mafiosa gimmick for Mason. Um, very similar to... I would say almost like a Tony Scarfe. We saw Charles Mason when we did uh, House of Glory, actually, if you recall. Okay. He wrestled Loki. Oh, okay. I vaguely remember that now. So Mason's kind of got a pushes everybody the wrong way kind of character, and mm -hmm. it even worked towards that extent on his own teammates as well because by the end of the show, the one thing that, GC that JCW and LA Fights agreed on was they were going to beat the hell out of Charles Mason. <laughs> and then enough. the the show went off the air as JCW and LA fights brawled again because the show ended in a 4-4 tie. Because, of course, it did. 50-50 bookings, not just for the WWE. Next one, GCW, the world on Lucha. Uh, Johnny Caballero pins Jack Cartwheel. Hey, another Jack Cartwheel sighting. Tony Deppin, my man, Tony Deppin. He wears short shorts. Pins Psychosis. Psychosis is 100. 
Why was Psychosis at this match? Why? Because this was it for Psychosis. This was his retirement match. This was okay. This was this was the, uh, the an opportunity to an opportunity okay. to say goodbye to his American fans. Oh Jesus Christ! Shane Mercer uh, wins a six way. Was there a scramble on every single one of these shows? It sure freaking felt like it. Good God! Have I never seen another scramble again? Uh, Shane Mercer defeated Drago I watched Kid. 11 shows. <laughs> good, good for you. Chris Carter. Um, all right. Pagano, 10, Sadika. We had another Sadika sighting. Yikes. And this one sucked just as bad as the Jimmy Lloyd match did. Ugh, not, you know, GCW does some good fun stuff. And then there's Sadika. Um, Abismo Negro, Junior, Flamita, and Gringo Loco defeated ASF, Laredo Kid, and Ray Horace. Uh, AR Fox, hey, another Ninja Mac sighting, defeated Ninja Mac, and then Dr. Wagner Jr. pinned Psycho Clown. How do you not give this one to Psycho Clown? Uh, because they did it to set up a run back where they were going to do uh, mask versus hair. Okay, fair enough. All right, high points and low points of Lucha on World. Um, the World on Lucha was kind of a disappointing show to me, but in fairness, I'm not a big Lucha Libre guy. Okay. And for where people Luchas from? Like did they did they borrow them from AAA or something? Pretty much, yeah. The vast okay. majority. I mean, a lot of them are Americanized lucha workers as well. Mm -hmm. Guys like uh, guys like Shane Mercer. Guys like hold on, let me pull up the list again here. Like Jack Cartwheel, like Tony Deppen, that work a very similar lucha style. Uh, Deppen and um, if I'm not mistaken, Deppen was actually a trainee in Chicago, which makes perfect sense. They're thinking about the lucha libre influence that Chicago had. Um, Jack Cartwell's a H2O trainee, I believe, which would make him a student of Matt Tremont. Not Lucha expired at all there, but H2O has kind of gotten the gamut of different guest trainers there that you can kind of see the actual wrestling influences coming out of the Hardcore Hustle organization in addition to the death matches that Tremont specializes in. Yeah, this is one of the ones I'm kind of sad I didn't get to. I was interested in it. Was it, you know, you think it's worth going back and watching still, or eh, you can skip it? Get ready to get ready to skip some of this stuff here. Like I said, Pagano and Sadika is just as bad as uh, Sadika and Jimmy Lloyd is, and right. like twice as long. Okay, I'm the six man, the six man tag though, the trios match. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you remember the Lucha six man that stole the show at World on GCW? Yes. Very similar to that. You'll notice the four-star rating on it. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so, Pat with a hot take. Deppin training in Jakara makes sense because Jakara's dumb shit ruined wrestling, too. <laughs> too bad these idiots didn't eat an invisible grenade. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'm going to have to have Harry and Pat like on a show together one day because this is too fun. We're going to choke each other. I hope. Naked. In mud. Anyway. Um, enough, enough of my fetishes. Mission you Pro, yes. you don't pay me enough rattleage. I don't pay you at all. Or at all. I, I don't pay you at all, Alexis. <laughs> do, do I? Do I? Do I need to do this? You gonna behave? You gonna be good? It doesn't bother me. I'm used to hosting shows oh, by myself. Fuck off. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> speaking of fuck off, Mission Pro Wrestling bangers only. Woo! The uh, all women show. Fun fact: Before we actually yes. discuss this show, did you know who owns Mission Pro Wrestling? Who owns Mission Pro Wrestling? Harry Broadhurst of the Screaming Boy Podcast. Thunder Rosa. Does she really? Yes. Thunder Rosa was in a halfway decent match last night against what's her nuts uh, on uh, Double. Serena Deeb, and the match Serena was Deeb. not that great. No. Um, 
I thought Britt Baker and Ruby Soho was better than Serena and Thunder Rosa. <laughs> Harry's not talking about cartoons like an asshole. Don't pick on him. Oh, look at that. Pat's sticking up for you. Uh, I can I, I can talk cartoons, though. You get me started on Scooby-Doo, we'll be here a while. Great. I'll, I'll put you and Alexis on the same show together. It'll be fantastic. Um, all right, moving on. So, yeah, this is one I actually want to... <laughs> okay. Pat says, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep was the best match on that awful pay-per-view. Mm, not even close. Not even close. Um, and I like Serena Deep, and I was trying to explain to my wife last night that Serena Deep was probably the best women's worker in modern pro wrestling right now, but even that match was a little clunky. The best I don't match. Know how much of, I don't know how much of that is Thunder Rosa and how much of that was they just both had an off night. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just have negative chemistry together. It comes across, Maybe. it came across in their promo segments too. Yeah, because like Thunder Rosa stuff with Britt Baker was just fine. The the Thunder Rosa and Serena D promo segments that were on Dynamite leading up to Double or Nothing were just mm -hmm. flaming death. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not here to discuss that. We are. Uh, and I'm going to have to. Uh, this one I might go back and watch and make my daughter watch it. Uh, bangers only. Janai Kai pin Shaza McKenzie. Uh, Alex right. Catch making her 87th fucking appearance at the collective. Defeated JP Harlow. Uh, JP Harlow is a dude, by the way. Terrific. Jody Threat pinned La Rosa Negra. Uh, Maddie Rakowski defeated uh, and Ray Chanel defeated Genocide. Kylan King, um, Lindsay Snow pins Masha Slamovich, which is an awesome name, by the way. Still one of my favorite female names in wrestling, Masha Slamovich. Renegade Twins uh, and Jasmine Delure defeated AK, M. Bell, and L. Luck. Thunder Rosa, making her appearance at the Collective, defeated Trish Adora. And then for the Mission Pro Heavyweight title, Holiday pins Lufisto. With a spine buster through a door. All right, high points and low points for this one. Go. All right, couple explanations as far as who some of these people are. Um, so I mentioned the fact that the promotion is owned by Thunder Rosa. So you'll notice a lot. <laughs> you'll notice a lot of AEW dark talent appearing on the show. Maddie Renkowski, Kylan King, the Renegade Twins. These are people that you would have seen on AW Dark and AEW Elevation before. Uh, AK would be Allison K. M. Bell would be Marty Bell. They are okay. collectively known as the Hex. They are the NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. Gotcha. All right. Uh, just wanted to explain who they were for our for our audience that actually cares about such things that probably no one. Um, <laughs> Thunder Rosa and Trisha Dora was actually very good. And then the main event with the no DQ stipulation that got added to it stood out the most of anything on this show. But I think this is another one of those shows that suffered from the fact that everything was just so kind of whitewashed inside of that setting mm -hmm. that none of the matches actually had an opportunity to stand out except for the main event since it was contested under no disqualification standings. The main event was the only match to crack my top 10, and it only briefly stayed there before, before losing its spot. You know, I'm wondering if the if I, the collective if they just stick to theme so so like bangers only Effie's Big Gay Brunch Bloodsport for the culture, Lucha, and and Planet Death, and then you know and then you do Spring Break and then that's it. Like, did we really need? Did we really need uh, Black Label Pro? Did we really need Mulligan? Like, like some of these, it just feels like overkill. Um, so I'm wondering like, next year when they do WrestleMania in Los Angeles. Like, maybe do less collective shows, but only stick to the theme ones. What do you think? 
I, I don't disagree with that. I also think running um, up against uh, WWE shows as well is going to hurt your audience potential. Like this show right here, uh, Bangers Only, if I'm not mistaken, went on during SmackDown mm-hmm. and the Hall of Fame ceremony. So I think that the audience that may have had the extended audiences for the shows that didn't air against WWE Super Shows, this one right here ran against SmackDown as well as Ring of Honor's uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, our st- All-Star Stravaganza, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. So that's the other thing I want to talk about real quick. So when I was in New York a couple of years ago for WrestleMania, um, I think after NXT went off the air, that's when Joey Janela's spring break started. And I think, you know, see, some of the stuff, it, it's unavoidable, especially when the WWE runs as many shows as it does WrestleMania weekend. You have to, you're going to have to just run stuff against them or just not do them at all. But I think GCW does better when it provides that late, late night show like Joey and Janela's spring break. Because I remember a lot of people left Madison Square Garden for that Ring of Honor uh, New Japan show. And went right to Joey Janela's spring break. Well, I was just about to mention that for the show that you you did get around to watching Black Label Pro. Mm-hmm. Black Label Pro actually started after night one of WrestleMania finished. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There was an opportunity for a bigger fan base, for an independent wrestling fan base, that if they're still up for more wrestling even after having finished WrestleMania, then the opportunity, especially if you have the pass for the collective, the opportunity was right there to go finish out the collective with Black Label Pro Show. All right, uh, next one. We're almost done here. Unsanctioned Pro Mulligan. For the unsanctioned tag titles, <clears throat> Cincinnati's most wanted of A. Williams and Lord Crew defeated Yokai, uh, which is Yoya and Jaykai. Lexus, Mont- Lexus Montez won a three-way over uh, Kevin Blackwood and somebody else. Ace Perry. Brian Keith was the third participant <clears throat> in that match. Won yet another fucking scramble, pinning Nate Webb. Oh, Nate Webb. Um, I've, this also <clears throat> included Whisper, Everett Cross, Billy Mike Swanson, and Sam Stackhouse. Go ahead. I think this might have been Nate Webb's only appearance at the club. Yeah, I haven't seen much of Nate Webb through the rest of this. What is Nate Which, Spider. Spider Nate Webb. You ever watch this cooking show? Uh, Nate Webb's Dirtbag Fucking Kitchen? Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> Nate Webb's cooking show is the bomb. Um, IWTV, I believe it's called Dirtbag Fucking Kitchen. It's really good. Yes, good stuff. Um, Christian Robinson taps Billy Starks. And Akira wins Fuck Jeffrey John Gauntlet, last eliminating Jeffrey John. All right, high points and low points of Mulligan. Go. Uh, You did miss a couple of matches, actually. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, you're right. Charlie Tiger pins, pins Robert Martyr. The OWA heavyweight title of Trey Lamar pins Timmy Lou Retton. Uh, for the unsanctioned pro heavyweight title, Cole Radrick pinned Mike Bailey. For the unsanctioned pro hardcore title, Kevin Gies attacked Alex Cologne. Oh, poor Alex Cologne. And they Casanova... And Jesus Christ, the second coming of Balls Mahoney's Casanova Valentine. <laughs> oh my Christ God. I have, how have I never put that together? Well, that may be the most... I grow up. I want to be Casanova Valentine. By the way, have you seen the hot bitches that guy gets? Holy cow. Chicks dick scars. I guess so. Like, it's just like, imagine me, but 100 pounds heavier, six feet tall and on meth. And you've got Casanova Valentine and the <laughs> and the chicks he pulls, man. <laughs> can, can we remove Patrick's comment? 
No. <laughs> that's look. Unless somebody puts up a comment about the the length of a pig's orgasm, that's staying up. Um, so, <laughs> or Pat puts up a funnier comment. Anyway, uh, yeah, Casanova Valentine pinned Hoodfoot. That's racism. <laughs> it is not. Um. <laughs> So high points, low points for this show because this was the last one that I could sit through. I will go back and watch Black Label. I'll update my standings as necessary once I do. But um, Cole Radrick and Mike Bailey for the unsanctioned pro title is my number two ranked match of the entire weekend. Okay. It is – and no frills, no gimmicks, just two dudes going out there and wrestling – and doing a damn fine job of it with a commentary team that is super invested, mostly because one of the people involved is Mike Bailey's fiance, Veda Scott. All right. Uh, and lastly, no, that's no, you're Norm from Black Label Pro, but you're on your own for that one because I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. I don't even have it pulled up. It doesn't matter. Um, I honestly, there was nothing on that show except maybe Effie. Which I, you know, anytime Effie comes on, I'm. Was it Effie versus Dan the Dad? It might have been. That might have been the first time I saw Dan the Dad. And I remember, I I remember when Effie came out, I I had to make a point of saying it. So it's about all I remember about that show. Um, The rest of it was kind of meh. And I I got it confused with Cemetery Gate because I thought that was the one you wanted me to watch. Uh, I will say this much. Black Label Pro, owned by Mikey Blanton, based out of Indiana. Actually, a very strong independent company and a a company that I would like to come back to at some point down the road on Mm -hmm. one of their shows for um, IWTV that that, that gets covered as well. So I do think that Black Label Pro is a promotion that has an opportunity and has a feature and a focus on the overall world of independent wrestling while doing similar to GCW in showcasing – Actually, there was quite a bit of that as well, Patrick Mullen. He says, you know what all these dumb fucking shows lack? Big, meaty men slapping meat. Um, Go watch For the Culture, okay? Big, meaty black men arr, slapping much meat. So much meat. Shane Taylor and uh, Top Dollar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I highly, if you want big, meaty men slapping meat, oh boy, For the but- Culture is your jam. Back to what I was saying about Black Label. Um, yes. Similar to what we talked about with AIW and, and what you kind of see on a traditional GCW show as well, you get kind of that styles clash of all the different variations of independent wrestling when you have uh, when you <laughs> when, when you have The best part of this entire show is how many times Pat like like you're trying to hold like stifle laughter but pat has totally popped you and you can't focus that's just a dick comment it's funny but it's a dick <laughs> comment anyways um yeah i'm, I'm with pat we need more uh, dirty daddy chris dickinson versus fucking shane mercer can you imagine no i can't because mark rattledge would cease to exist if that match ever happened could you imagine like a tag team just pick oh, just hear me out on this Hear me, Paro, and what's 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 his dude's name? Thor, Odinson. Odinson, yeah. Paro and Odinson versus Shane Mercer and Chris Dickinson. So much big meaty men slapping meat. It's gonna turn into the South Park meme with jizz everywhere. (laughs) Certainly, I will be. Good, good God, pal. All right, please continue. 
That's good shit. That's good <laughs> shit, pal. First of all, if, if GCW ever puts together Paro and Odinson versus Shane Mercer and the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson, I will not be wearing pants. And I will be well, on a live stream completely pantsless watching that show. Let's just hope that Chris Dickinson gets through the trouble that he's currently going through, which took oh, him don't off remind of me of that. Boo! Sorry. Facts uh, be facts. Hey, real quick. Somebody was asking me about this today. Chris Bailey was asking me about... Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Bailey, Chris Bailey? The very same. Um, was no. asking about the very thing. Uh, the, the Briscoes, they're, they're persona non grata because of the gay comment, right? Like, they yes. can't work anywhere except for well, Ring of Honor impact. and not even there. Impact nowadays. Oh, they are they're in Impact now? Yeah, they're challenging <laughs> for the I think they just won the Impact tag titles. That's hilarious. Like nobody else will take them, but but by golly, they can get a job at Impact because at this point you and I could get a job at Impact. I feel like if I put in a uh, I feel like if I pulled a couple of strings, Dr. Moore might be knocking on my door any day now. That's good. Me and you should be a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be I I'd be taking uh I'd, I'd be going after freaking oh god what's their play by play I'd be going after Josh Matt uh, not I Josh think you, I Tom Phillips his job I think you and I should should be a tag team in Impact what we call the Podcast Express is that anything like the Jurassic Ex never mind oh god Pat yeah. what's the thing that you and when, that you and Jed are the something Express from Boogie Nights I can't remember what the name of it is speaking of which speaking of Pat Alex Hammerstone and Brian Cage versus Mercer and Dickinson versus Power and Odinson good night everybody. <laughs> I I need to go to I need to go to bed now quickly. <laughs> We've lost Harry for the evening, and that's and staying up there. By the way, it's ninety degrees in this apartment. I'd like to get to the rest <laughs> of this show. All right, the best of the rest. Harry's top ten, starting with yes. number ten, Shane Mercer in the six way scramble at the World on Lucha. Jack Cartwheel, number nine. Jack Cartwheel versus Alec Price from JCW versus LA Fights. Dark Sheik at number eight, pinning Charles Mason, uh, JCW versus LA Fights. Shane Mercer making his second appearance on this list, pins Neil Diamond Cutter. This one I agree with uh, at Planet That's Death. That finish was fantastic. It I, really was. We talk about we talk about the whole our overall disdain for referees getting involved mm -hmm. and stuff here. Yeah. If you're gonna do a finish that spectacular, I will forgive a referee holding a ladder. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was a tight moonsault. Um, Jake something pins Max the Impaler with a black hole slam at Cemetery Gates. Abismo Negro, Flamina, and Gringo Loco defeated ASF, Laredo Ken, and Ray Horace at the World on Lucha. Davey Richards and uh, Rocky Romero what? defeated D. Vega and Fitchett at Cemetery Gates. Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett. They're known as Grindhouse now. They used to be known as the besties in the world. Uh, and a thumbpack, kick pads, light tubes. Again, I don't think this is better than the Shane Mercer match. Uh, defeated Pintakira. I'm really surprised by that, by the way, because Akira has been, especially at like the, um, the No Holds Bar shows, Akira's been like the guy to beat. You know, he's been he the one that. That's getting all the push. I agree with you, but in fairness, uh, no holds barred is ICW, which is J which is GCW's chief rival, mm -hmm. and Raderick and Cole Radrick is somebody that is getting a push in GCW now, having just signed an exclusive contract with GCW for more dates. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes more better sense to me. I just I was just surprised because, like I said, every time I've watched Akira wrestle, he I mean, like everybody puts that kid over. He is. He is the new Nick Gage sans the, you know, meth and armed robbery. Um, and the dying in a helicopter. Nick, 
So Nick Gage without the seven years in prison. Correct. Uh, for the unsanctioned pro heavyweight title, Cole Radrick, Pants okay. Mike Bailey. And then finally, the number one match of the weekend. And we've already talked about this to death, but it bears repeating. Josh Alexander pins Warhorse with the Tiger Driver 98 at 14 minutes and six seconds at Cemetery Gate. So based on your list here, if, if you haven't, if you've... If you're like us and you only watched uh, Bloodsport, For the Culture, Joey Janela, Spring Break, and Effie's Big Gay Brunch, you should also watch Cemetery Gates. Um, you should watch JCW versus LAF, and you should watch The World on Lucha. Nobody should watch Planet Death, Not Nobody, Not Know How. That's what I think. What do you well, think, Harry? Well, I mean, I had the two matches for Planet Death that were in my top ten. The yeah. Shane Mercer versus Neil Diamond Cutter, and then the uh, Cole Radrick versus. You don't have you didn't have anything from Bangers Only. You didn't anything from Bangers Only. You make the, the only 10? the only match from Bangers Only that was in my top ten at any point was Hall of Dead versus Lufisto, and mm -hmm. it had it, the issue that I had was, and we go back to what, what I said when we were just discussing it a few moments ago, is the whitewashing of the show, mm -hmm. how same everything felt. Right. Well, I'm just saying, women should deserve equal representation, and for them not to be on this list, you know. Uh, Dark Sheik and um, Max the Impaled. Well, Max is technically of a them, but still. No, I'm saying like you should have had something from Bangers Only. That's only fair. On honorable <laughs> mention to Hall of Dead versus Lefisto. There you. There go. we go. Nice save, buddy. All right, that Fuck is. <laughs> well, we're doing it live. All right, folks. That is the best of the collective. And that was actually the last show that we have. <laughs> Hang on, hot take from Pat Mullen. Last one of the night. If you like pro wrestling, don't watch any of these shows. I feel like that should be like the GCW like next T-shirt. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know what's coming up? That's probably gonna be the next one that we do. We gotta do uh, we gotta do this year's backyard wrestling show. Well, that is coming up in July, isn't it? That is coming up in July. So we don't have another one of these scheduled, but we will sometime in the near future as soon as I can figure out my life and figure out what shows we want to do. But if nothing else, we will definitely be back in July to bring you GCW's Backyard Wrestling Show because that is my favorite show of the year. It is I, fucking phenomenal. I'll tell you what. At some point soon, I would imagine, High Spots is going to put up this year's BOLA, and that can be our next show. You've been promising me that since at least February. <laughs> yeah, and you would think that High Spots would get off their ass and put up BOLA. You would think. All right, so we'll figure out what the next Indie Cider show is going to be. But in the meantime, check out our last couple of Indie Cider shows, Bloodsport and For the Culture, Joey Janela Spring Break Night 1 and 2, and Effie's Big Gay Brunch, along with uh, Fear the Gay Agenda, the all-gay death match, which was absolutely fantastic. In the meantime, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on this week. It's my birthday week, so I decided to throw up a bunch of Terminator stuff, because why not? We've already dropped the uh, Terminator Genesis review we did from 2015. Uh, just about now, as we're recording this, the long road to ruin for the first three Terminator movies will be going up from a few years ago. Uh, we'll also have a triple feature to kick off Pride Month. That's LGBTQ plus Pride Month. We are kicking things off with Stonewall, Basic Instinct, and But I'm a Cheerleader. And that'll be myself and Sean Comer. Um, we'll be having a review of AEW Double or Nothing. And then the night before my birthday, it's my birthday party. All week long, we're going to be reviewing Def Leppard, Diamond Star, Halos. And hey, already up in the archive, check out our video review of uh, Def Leppard. 
Uh, I can't remember which one we did, but I spent a lot of time talking about nude beaches and burlesque shows. That's that's the better reason to watch that video. Uh, we've got two Everyone Loves a Bad Guys for the Terminator franchise on June 2nd, my actual birthday, and June 3rd. Plus, <clears throat> speaking of my birthday, what better way to spend it than with my friends, Robert Winfrey and Jesse Starcher, the wise men of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, as we review David Simon's We Own This City, the miniseries based on the book currently on HBO. It is phenomenal. Uh, and then finally, on June 4th, there's an Everybody Loves a Bad Guy for Dinos and Dragons as we start with the buildup towards Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. All right, Harry, what do you... Uh... Before, before I plug anything, here's what I need to know. What did you think of Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers? I haven't watched it yet. We're not going to get to it until we review Lightyear. All right, because I, me and Eva are planning on watching Chip and Dale tomorrow night. I've heard I'll it's let... good. I've heard, I mean, if you're, dork heard that, if you're a dork that's into good. the Easter eggs, apparently there's a bunch of those. I've heard surprisingly good given expectations. I don't know what song he's singing. <laughs> out of time, out of reach, yeah, you can't try to get a piece of me. I'm in love and deep, yeah, give me time. I'm assuming Death Leopard. It's got, oh yeah, I get hysterical hysteria. Oh yeah, I get hysterical hysteria when you get that feeling and you start believing. You get that feeling when you start believing. One of the most overrated bands. Oh, fuck you. Def Leppard is the shit. No, the shit, sir. There's an S on that. That's what I think of you and your opinion on Def Leppard. Speaking of which, um, speaking of jerking off virtually, taking my daughter. (laughs) To go see uh, Death Jesus. Poor segue. Poor segue. You're welcome. Um, I'm taking my daughter to go see Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett in like two, three weeks. You know the best part of Motley Crue? 6 a.m. Fuck off, dude. The best part of Motley Crue is girls, 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 and everyone knows it. No, I mean. you know why? Strip clubs. I mean, the strippers, <laughs> strippers do love that song. But this is very true. Or so they say. Actually, the best Motley, the best Motley Crew is Doctor Feelgood. Uh, Six AM was the band that Nikki Six came into. After. I know what they are. They're not better than Motley Crew. That's I craziness. strongly disagree. Ugh, can't take you. All right, do your plugs. Um, Broadhurst Watkins Sports <laughs> Report. <laughs> Me too, Pat. Me too. I can't wait till I have to explain to her. Hey, that's a song about strippers. To my feminist eleven-year-old. <laughs> I'm sorry. Broad- go ahead. Broadhurst Walk and Sports Report, maybe um, things are kind of things are kind of in flux at the moment. Uh, point of viewer, maybe I don't know what's going on. Didn't you all start like a whole new thing? Yeah, long story. All right, we don't need to tell it now. Nope. Okay. We'll see what happens going forward. Worst case scenarios, I'll be available more to do more of these uh, independent wrestling reviews. Cool. And then I can explain to you why Def Leppard and Mocky Crew rule, uh, rule, in your opinion, rules. I'm not a hair metal guy at all, so you're going to lose this conversation. Girl, don't go mad. Harry, just walk away. I say, Harry, don't go away mad. I'm about to once I can get off camera. <laughs> Wrap us up. <laughs> all right, Pat. Take, take, take it easy over there. Smoke a joint. I'm not even putting that comment up. That's mean. All right. Um, that's it for our... I think it's mean to my daughter. Um, for the record, Bola's yes. still not up on high spots. 
terrific. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us here on TV Party tonight with the best of the collective. He's Harry Broadhurst. I'm Mark Radledge. That's Pat Mullen with the hot takes and the mean comments towards my daughter. Be well, be safe, and behave. Good grief.